in this dojo. No, Sensei! Big friendly welcome to all of you from Austin, Texas. Welcome to Sell Porn or Die Trying. I am your host, Connor Young. I am the CEO and co-owner of Why Not? And this is my show where we talk about everything that has to do with making money in the adult entertainment business, making a little bit of money, making a lot of money, making beer money, making more money. Uh, that's basically what we're here to talk about. So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we got a great guest for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking with Jeff Wilson, who is the uh, Director of Business Development for Flirt for Free. And he's a great guy. Looking forward to sharing that interview with you. And the great thing about this show, I got to say, I was thinking about this. You know what I love about this show is you can listen to this show. You know, it doesn't matter what you do while you're listening, really. You can you can listen to this show in your underwear. You can pick your nose while you're listening. to. I, I guess that does really sort of depend on where you're listening to the show, right? Because you can listen from a lot of places. If you're listening at the gym, probably don't want to be doing those things. Um, might be able to get away with the underwear thing, but you know, if you're in the locker room, the, the nose picking thing though, it's probably not advised. People are going to see it; it's gross. Uh, you don't want to do that. But you get the idea. You know, you can take this show with you where you want to listen to it. You can go out jogging. You can uh, hang out at home. Um, you know, do some work. Put it on while you're while you're doing some work and listen. You know, hey, lots of ways to uh, to enjoy the show. Uh, but if you subscribe to the show on iTunes or on Spotify, the great thing is you're going to get notified uh, when these when new when these new episodes drop, and you'll be able to uh, listen to it when you're when you're ready to go. So yeah, definitely subscribe. We appreciate all of you for being here with us today to talk about the adult entertainment business and to uh, listen to the uh, the interview with Jeff Wilson. Before we get to that, though, we do have a number of things I just want to kind of kind of talk about. Um, you know, generally, by the way, I'm feeling very good. I've, I've been fully vaccinated now. I've had both doses of the vaccine. Uh, I, it's been two weeks uh, plus since my second dose. So, you know, I'm starting to feel like I want to get out there and do things now. It's been cabin fever, uh, sitting, uh, social distancing and, and, and sitting around way too much for the last year for my liking. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to get out there and do things. As I'm recording this, by the way, the news just dropped. You might be hearing this a couple days later, but the news just dropped about the, uh, the the trial with George Floyd and the guilty verdicts. So that's going on right now, um, which is just, I know there was a lot of people holding their breath on that one and what was going to happen there. So that just dropped. But this week in the adult entertainment industry, we also got some pretty significant news when MasterCard uh, put up some some news on their blog uh, that really put the adult industry on notice. It, it, it said, hey guys, if you are a merchant and you are selling adult content, offering adult content on your platform, and you're using MasterCard, you're going to have to follow these new rules. Now, the new rules, we can get into them. You know, they're, they're look, you can argue that you don't like what's going on with MasterCard and feel like they're singling out adult um, you know, if you want to, we could go down that road. And I understand the frustration. Historically, we are an industry that gets targeted. Uh, and it's anytime we feel like we are getting targeted, it's it's pretty uncomfortable. Nobody really likes that in, in the business. You also could get into the fact that the new rules MasterCard is is asking companies to do. Logistically, it's a bit of a nightmare. Okay. for And, and it's worse depending on where you're at. 
if you're a, a VOD company with, with content that spans back many years and you don't have all the records for that content, this could be, uh, you know, pretty difficult. Um, the major adult platforms are going to have to start adjusting to these new rules. And that might mean that they're going to be asking for new things from performers uh, in terms of documentation, consent, uh, things of that nature that we're going to start seeing uh, coming from the major adult platforms, whether that's the clips platforms, the live cam platforms, the tube platforms. So we, we have to get ready for some changes here, folks. And if you're thinking it's just MasterCard and, and maybe you just go to Visa, I'll tell you, just stop that thinking right now. I know Visa has not announced anything yet, but if MasterCard has, Visa will be right behind them. I could practically guarantee it. Um, as close as I can give you to a guarantee, that's probably going to happen. Historically, that's generally what we see happen when one of these companies does uh, does this kind of a thing. It's an interesting thing, uh, time to think about cryptocurrencies and promoting them. But come on, let's face it. We all need credit cards. So I know it's frustrating. So let me give you guys a little perspective to think about this that might help you feel a little bit better about whatever work you're now going to have to do or however these new rules might impact your business. The reason why MasterCard is putting these rules out, it really boils down to, I believe, two things. Uh, from what I've read, from what I see, it boils down to these two things. When you have a world where people are able to upload their own content to platforms, whether it be OnlyFans, whether it be uh, you know a, a cam platform, whether it be um, clip stores, uh, even social media, you know if, if if people are uploading their own content, the platforms themselves are are they 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 really don't know, do they? If if you have a, a young looking model as the subject of that content, is that model really 18? Or is that platform now offering content uh, that's of an underage model um, and thus child pornography? Obviously, no good. No bueno. The other, the other thing they're worried about is consent. So we've had models who have said, or in this case, not models. Let me, let me rephrase that. We've had victims who have come forth and said, Content that I did not want to be up on this platform is now up on this platform and I couldn't get it taken down. And in the content, I'm being either, either I'm being raped or I'm being abused. Um, or I did this content for in private for my boyfriend at the time. And now my, my, I'm up on, uh, you know, this platform for everybody to see. And for industry performers, you know, it's no big deal. You know, hey, all right, nudity, whatever. Uh, but for people who don't intend that to happen to them, that can be a horrible fate, humiliating. People have to either relocate. We've had we've had cases of people saying they really contemplated suicide. There probably have been cases uh, of people committing suicide over being humiliated in that way. If you're not an adult performer and that's not what you want to do, and suddenly all your friends from high school are are slut shaming you on social media and laughing and sending pictures around of you that you didn't expect them to see. That's horrible. Okay. So these are poss horrible possible scenarios. And yes, we know that social media it happens there too, right? It's not just adult Facebook, right? We know this kind of stuff happens. There have been guys who have, who have murdered people on Facebook and then put the stream out there live and that's gone down on Facebook. So we know it happens. Horrible stuff happens wherever there's a platform where people can just upload their own content. But it doesn't do a lot of good for us, unfortunately, to get too caught up in 
whether or not something's fair or not, uh, really, what we have to do as an industry, I think, is is really start understanding that, yeah, we're all off doing our own things, but we are also in this together to a certain degree, and the actions of some companies can affect others. Now, what I'm, what I'm advising is that everybody just take a moment to breathe and go look over these rules, get in contact with their attorney if they have a platform or, or, or they're a MasterCard merchant that this impacts them, and understand what they need to start doing uh, before they're selling or offering adult content now with MasterCard, because you don't want to get kicked off the off MasterCard to where you can't take MasterCard anymore. That can really be a death sentence for a company uh, if that happens to you. And also, you want to be part of the solution. We don't want MasterCard as we... Why not? We just held a webinar on this topic. We had attorney Corey Silverstein as a guest, and he was talking about this uh, specific issue and kind of pointing out, he was saying to us, hey, guys, MasterCard's giving you a, a chance here to get this right. They don't like what they're seeing. I'm paraphrasing. This isn't word for word. Um, but they don't like what they're seeing, and you guys got to get this right. If you don't... Corey was warning, there's always the chance that MasterCard takes this to the next step. They can increase the roles and make them even more difficult. They can pull out of adult 100% altogether. And for people who think maybe we can band together and sue MasterCard, the answer is no, we can't. That's not going to happen. It's not possible. They are a company that has the right to set their own rules for how you use their product and service. And so, no, that's, that's not going to happen. So we have to, look, this is part of the reason why I started this podcast. I want this industry to sort of wake up and stop going off into our collective corners and never really interacting as an industry anymore. We used to do it all the time. We were at shows all the time. We worked with each other. We communicated with each other on our own forums. Uh, now everybody's on Facebook arguing about politics or or whatever the current event is. And we need to stop that. We need to work collectively on certain things. Not everything. I mean, we're still in competition with each other to a certain degree. We understand that. But there are a lot of stuff that we can work collectively on as an industry. Every other facet of the entertainment industry, whether it's video games or movies and TV shows or whatever it is, uh, um, you know, pro wrestling events, um, combat sports, whatever it is, they all have an industry interest that works together to achieve certain goals. And we're going to have to do that here. So, hey, stay stay tuned to this podcast. Stay tuned to whynot.com, whynot.com. We will have coverage of, of this as, as developments happen to make sure everybody's as, as informed as possible as to what's going on with MasterCard, what they need to do. We had the one webinar that we hosted already. If you attended that, Great. We were glad to have you there. You're part of the solution. You're paying attention to your industry. You care. Thank you. Spread the word. We're going to have more webinars happening, you know, as new information happens and we can share that with you. We want to help the industry, um, you know, get this right because look, it's a healthy industry is important to every single one of us. Now, enough about that with MasterCard for now. I'm sure we'll be discussing that again and again in future episodes of this podcast and elsewhere. Actually, I know we are, Um, but I want to say a little bit about the guest today, uh, which is uh, we have, I mentioned before, Jeff Wilson, who is Director of Business Development at Flirt for Free. The Flirt for Free, just so you know, this is a company that goes back all the way. Uh, When I got into the business in 97, as I've said many times before, 
and flirt for free. I always remember these guys there. Um, they have they had another company that they also operated as back in the day uh, that I remember, and they were on the bleeding edge of streaming video when nobody knew what streaming video was. There was no uh, Google, okay? There was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. There definitely was no Netflix. None of this. There was no streaming video. There was no YouTube. And there were certain adult companies that were seeing the potential in video and trying to come up with products and services and technology they could use to to realize that. Video Secrets uh, and uh, Flirt for Free companies were at the forefront of this. Um, Python was another one. Uh, um, Python was actually based out of Amsterdam. Um, you know, uh, maybe Jason Vanderpool from Python. There were a few of these guys running around that were really pushing this technology. Flirt for Free was one of them. And one of the, one of the great things about this company is how, how serious they take themselves as a business. And not everybody does an adult. They are a legit serious business. You go to their headquarters in California and you walk in and your your jaw will drop. You'll say, this is great. This is not what I was expecting an adult entertainment company to look like. Uh, it's very professional. I don't know. The pandemic, has, as Jeff talks about, has impacted things, of course, in terms of their uh, their workforce and where people are working from. Uh, but you walk in and, and th- this is a, a top-notch professional organization. They've always been cautious about how they do business. Uh, they've always tried to do things right. And as a result, they've been around for a long time. While other companies have come and gone, Flirt for Free has been there. So they're in, this, these, are, these guys are innovators. They are there for the long haul and they do things right. So that's one of the reasons why we wanted to feature somebody from uh, Flirt for Free on, on the show. And Jeff specifically, there's a lot of great people at, at Flirt for Free, but Jeff is the kind of guy who, uh, you know, he also has been around a long time and he's got a lot of information about this business, a lot of data. Uh, and he's he's also somebody who maybe people who are in the business know him and maybe people who are uh, just sort of trying to get into the business probably don't because he's not quite as, as, as vocal or visible as maybe some of the other individuals at, at the company or in this business. But he's a terrific guy with a wealth of knowledge, okay? So before we get to the interview, I just got to remind you guys real quickly that uh, Cell Porn or Die Trying is sponsored by Why Not Market. Why Not Market is a powerful CRM with advanced marketing automation technology. Convert more and build long-lasting relationships with Why Not Market's many features designed to help you communicate with your leads and clients from email marketing and social media to advanced marketing automation and more. All the tools you need to engage with your contacts are right at your fingertips. It's now easier than ever to keep in touch and stay top of mind. So marketing automation gives you a very powerful advantage over the competition. Mainstream companies believe in this technology so much that the market leader charges tens of thousands of dollars for its lowest price package. But why not market delivers marketing automation software at a price that all companies can afford? You spend a little time setting up your customer journeys in advance, and then it's like you have your own team of robots that are going to sell whatever you're selling 24-7. The software keeps leads hot for you, which is important. You don't want to spend all this time and money trying to uh, generate leads through your marketing campaigns only to watch the leads go cold because you don't have the time to work all of them individually. 
Marketing automation solves that for you. You can also use Why Not Market to manage your sales pipeline, run your customer service team, manage your projects, and more. It's the CRM that does it all. And once you implement Why Not Market into your business, you you won't want you you really won't know what you did before, how you managed without it. It's it's that much of a game changer. So visit Why Not Market today to schedule a free demo. That's ynotmarket.com. Schedule a demo. If you're confused about what this is or how it works, let Richard show you around in the software and it will suddenly all start to make sense, okay? So uh, that's that's it for that. And now let's get on to the interview. This is me talking with Jeff Wilson from Flirt for Free. Hey, Jeff, uh, really good to hear from you. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today on, on the show. Um, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, so obviously I know you uh, very well. Uh, we go way back. We've both been in the business for a long time. But for the people in the audience who don't know you, um, maybe you could start off by just talking a little bit about yourself and how long you've been working in the industry and um, maybe just talk a little bit about what your routine is like uh, over at Flirt, Flirt for Free. What do you do uh, day in, day out? Sure. So um, I've been in the industry for uh, close to 10 years, um, which is actually not that long, according to some people. You know, some people have been doing it since the late 90s. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to talk and learn from a lot of those people and, and, you know, help them with their businesses or, you know, work with us as an affiliate or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, I have a lot of good mentors here that have, you know, helped me kind of bridge that gap. And I feel like I came in, you know, during this interesting time where, you know, a lot of changes were happening. You know, back in, uh, I feel like, you know, it probably started around the 2008, 2009, you know, era when, you know, videos online were becoming more, you know, ubiquitous and, um, you know, you have tube sites and things like that. And so during that time, there was a lot of people going out of business, a lot of consolidation, a lot of, you know, pay sites, you know, really reevaluating what they're doing, et cetera. So when I came in, it was really just, you know, hey, we're, we're trying to, rebuild our affiliate program. We, you know, before Flirt for Free was just Flirt for Free, it was Video Secrets. Video Secrets was one of the first uh, webcam companies. Um, you know, obviously I wasn't around when they launched, but, you know, Greg kind of put it all together with, you know, a few partners and uh, and and it was a, it was a big deal in the beginning, um, you know, because you could talk to somebody on webcam, um, you know, and, and it was a good lucrative business, right? Um, but uh, when when they launched Flirt for free, that was a big change in the in the industry as well, because that was the first time where it's like, hey, you can just talk to models for free, and you know they'll kind of lure you into a private chat. But like you know, suddenly you have this like explosion of models instead of trying to fill one slot for twenty four hours, you have multiple models online. And so uh, because of that whole thing, I feel like you know that kind of kickstarted that part of the industry, the the whole kind of free webcams and uh, you know freemium, whatever it is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but fast forward to kind of 2011, um, I think a lot of, a lot of uh, pay sites were kind of reconsidering their options, how to make more money or how to close down gracefully or how to consolidate with something bigger, whatever. Anyway, so when I started, um, we were also in this kind of weird position where we were thinking that we were going to have uh, new revenue streams as well. So when I started, it was uh, we were we were running you know the video secrets affiliate program which was the affiliate program for Flirt for free and we were starting to build a new product psychics live which was the same general concept but it's you know just mainstream 
talk to psychics and and see if uh, you know if that makes money on a paper minute type of thing. Um, and it did. It was okay. Um, you know, we we made money with it, um, but there was I think towards the end of 2012, um, we had a, a pretty solid you know affiliate you know CPA offer, and uh, a lot of mainstream affiliate networks were sending us a bunch of traffic, and it was like it sounds good, but then you realize on the flip side, you know, you need enough you know content, live people, you know. Uh, you know, streaming at that time. So it's like if, if you get a thousand customers in a day, if you only have three psychics online, it's like, well, that's not going to work. So you had to do this real like, you know, balance to make sure that, you know, that you have enough traffic for the, for the, you know, streamers and you have enough streamers for the traffic. Um, and so towards the end of, of 2012, we were like, okay, you know what? Psychics might not be the thing because, you know, it doesn't make even close to 1% of our revenue and adult is way uh, better. So let's stick to our kind of core competencies um, and, uh, and refocus. And so uh, when, when that happened, um, you know, I got a chance to rebuild, re like focus and rebuild the affiliate team. Um, in 2013 is when I hired Kimmy and a few other uh, salespeople, you know, you know, Kimmy pretty well. Um, you know, and since then it was, you know, expanding the team, you know, started to do media buys in 2014, started to do SEO in 2016, um, started building uh, the first team of analysts in 2017. Um, and yeah, just a lot of growth, a lot of cool stuff. You know, we do well as a company. Um, and so that's kind of what my focus has always been. Um, but lately I feel like my, my, you know, it's more of a, a routine now. It's more of like, you know, dealing with, you know, the certain teams and trying to rebuild and grow kind of what I've, uh, I've done in the past. Um, so, you know, I'd say that Monday, Tuesdays are usually full of meetings. Uh, and I try to, you know, sneak in some time to answer emails and, and do whatever during that time. Um, Wednesdays, I try to keep for, for actual work. Uh, Thursdays, I have meetings. And then Friday, I try to keep clear as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that like, you know, you take all of this time, uh, in, that you have in the week and you fill it up with, you know, meetings and stuff, and then you don't have time for, for work. And the only way that you can do that is if you like start the week with a plan, like here's how I'm going to do every single day. Uh, and then you stick to that plan. And, uh, and I'm so bad at that, but I need to, I, you know, I need to really kind of focus on that on Mondays. And, uh, and make sure that, that my weeks are, are more planned out so that I can, you know, not get distracted by whatever fires come up. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, the people I've talked to so far, this is a relatively uh, new podcast we're doing here at Why Not? And uh, most of the people I've talked to so far started um, earlier than you. So, like, I started in the late 90s, like you like you mentioned. And I actually would have pegged you a little earlier than 2008. I thought it feels like you've been around for uh, longer than that for whatever reason. And um, but that provides a really interesting perspective because 2008, we had the financial crash and everything that came from it. We had to me, that was the darkest time in the industry. That was like where we had the old school industry before it and things were the way they were. Then we had 2008 where it was doom and gloom and it was all crashing down. Then we had this after period that went from there to where we are now. So since you, you came in after that, you're not... Um, tainted, I guess, by memories of, uh, of what came before. And specifically in the field of live cams, and, and which was one of the big winners, I guess, and after the, uh, after the crash. Um, when you think back to the beginning of live cams and, and what was going on and how that looked when you first got to the business and where it's at now, 
how would you describe the differences? What was it like then versus now? What's what what have we done uh, as an industry that makes the technology, the experience better versus when you first got got into the business? Yeah, I think obviously technology is better because we're you know serving. Uh, video faster and better and better quality. You know, we have really smart um, people like engineers that are uh, able to kind of make sure that uh, we can do more than we did in the past. You know, just like little things like um, one of my favorite uh, uh, things that we do is like, you know, how, how Netflix, um, you know, sometimes you're watching it and then your, your internet goes kind of shitty and then uh, you, it gets kind of pixelated and then it starts to get better as your internet improves. It's called adaptive bitrate, and so it's kind of the same thing what we do with our webcams. It's just like a subtle thing, but you know, it makes the pro the the whole like experience so much better because the alternative was the video crapped out. It's like how much did that happen before? You know, and these little tweaks have made it uh, so much easier to uh, or better for for the uh, for the end user, and and obviously better for you know user values. And on on our side, we we just make sure that you know it's not stopping you know potentially. Uh, shows. Um, but I would say that, you know, when I started, uh, I had friends that had no idea what I did. And I told them like, you know, it's like live webcams, you know, you know, girls or guys, you don't want to kind of do stuff on the internet, whatever. And they're like, so, so, so I go into a room right now and, and she's live. I'm like, yeah, she's live. I don't know. Tell her to do something. <laughs> it's like, and they, they wouldn't get it. And I would say like, you know, maybe one in 10 people, uh, knew what what live webcams was, and now because of of you know how many uh, impressions we see daily on tube sites and how the best upsell is to live cams, you know now everybody knows what it is, and you know I feel like live cams was like the stepping stone to models being closer to um, you know the the customer, um, and now you have things like you know OnlyFans and, and many vids and stuff like that where you know there's really no intermediary. It's just model being, you know, themselves on social and then they blast their, you know, OnlyFans or whatever it is and they get customers to go right into their, you know, their portal uh, and they monetize them. And that's it. There's, you know, what kind of a, a shift in the industry happens when you don't need that intermediary. I feel like that's kind of what we're, what we're feeling right now between people who, you know, were active, you know, as adult affiliates, <clears throat> you know, pre-me, um, and, and where we are now. Yeah. So the interesting thing, uh, with the live cam business model of the years is of course, how sites monetize, um, you know, and there's just, there's just different networks with different approaches. So like early on, almost all live cam monetized through like the whole take me private experience, right? Um, there's somebody like flirt for free, the very name of your company, right? Sort of to me communicated, yeah, you can get in this room with this girl and you can flirt with her, but you really want the good stuff. You got to take this girl uh, private. Um, Streamate, of course, has that premium model that they used, um, you know, to affect over the years. Um, Jasmine goes for that really high end. Then you have the more freemium or micro transaction sites. Um, you've got MFC, you got Chatterbay, and you guys. How do you do? You think that there's if you're an affiliate and you're looking to work with a live cam company. Are any of these business models, do you think, better or uh, in terms of like affiliate being able to cash in? Are they better off going off or like a premium or can they really profit off the microtransaction sites? Or what's your thoughts on these different business models and how they might affect uh, affiliates? I think it really kind of comes down to the affiliate. Um, you know, one of your one of your questions that, that uh, you mentioned you wanted to talk about was uh, 
you know, if, if affiliates can still make money with adult, because you're feeling like, you know, 20 years ago, maybe like any Joe Schmo could just, you know, light up a TGP site and upload some pictures. And next thing you know, it, he, you know, he adds some affiliate links and the next thing you know, it, he's, he's making money. Um, and you know, that's, that's not how it is anymore. Um, but it's, but it's still, um, I think the same type of person, um, you know, can make money with adult. Um, and I think it, it just comes down to like, what, what do you have? What, what is your offer? What's your benefit? Like, is there a way that you can, you know, better serve that, uh, interaction between the customer and the model? Um, so like the, the kind of example that I give to people is like, you know, for, for like, let's, let's take like OnlyFans for example, like, you know, that as a conversion funnel. Uh, I'm a model on social media, I post pictures, I post things that are titillating, whatever, and I'll tell you that I'll do explicit stuff in my OnlyFans. And so I tell you, hey, go to my OnlyFans and sign up. The amount of people that click on that link and then later convert, you know, is probably a, a very high conversion rate. One out of five or ten people are going to convert. And so, you know, that's a really interesting uh, formula there because there's not a lot of cost for her to, to advertise. Um, and, and she doesn't have to worry about conversion rates because the conversion rates are so high. So she just has to kind of do some direct stuff. And so, uh, you know, on the, on the affiliate side, uh, you have to think, how can I do that better? How can I give somebody a better product? How can I get them to where they want to be uh, better than, you know, them just going to social and, and browsing and stuff like that? And so uh, that's, that's essentially what affiliates challenge is now. It's not just, you know, lighting up a site. It's, it's how can I bring value to this whole process? Um, and, and how can I then make money off that? Yeah. And, and so if you were just starting off on that process, if you were an affiliate, you had no websites that you built yet, you have nothing. Yeah, maybe you got a very small amount of money to invest and you got some time, right? And maybe some skills. Um, what would you what would you do if you were in that in that situation and you wanted to get started and you were targeting live cams and saying hey i want to i want to get in on this business i want to send some traffic this way what would you recommend um affiliates starting off look into doing i mean would it be blogs would it be um figuring out ways to buy traffic would it be social media somehow um what what do you think would 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 work as a starting point i feel like i would tell them to take a step back you know what I mean? Like what, what's your goal here? What, what are you trying to do? And if it's just make money, you know, you got to figure out why the adult industry is the way to make money. Why is webcams, whatever. If they're a fan of webcams, then I'm like, okay, this is easy. You know what I mean? You just, you light up your own blog, get some attention, whatever. There, you know, we're in an interesting kind of time. I feel like where anybody could make money if they put in the work at least. And it was, it was, it was the case, you know, early on with adult affiliates, but I feel like there was a certain type of person that was, um, that, that could do that because they were connected to the industry or, you know, they liked porn and they thought that they were part of this fringe group. They didn't realize that, oh, actually everybody likes porn. It wasn't as, you know, uh, accepted during that time. But now it's like, you know, you could, if you're a fan, uh, you could put that passion into a blog or into something, you know, making videos on YouTube about, you know, uh, uh, reviews of, of cam girls or something, whatever it is. Uh, but the point is like, if you put out enough content, Google will recognize you. 
you know, if you if you have any experience with SEO, you would see that like it's not necessarily about um, you know getting the best content out there. It's about like quantity. If you post a blog every day for seven years, eventually you're going to start getting organic traffic. Eventually, you're going to have eyeballs. You're going to get social media, whatever. If you want to be creative, you wanted to like you know invest some money in, into it, you could probably do some cooperations with models that that have social followings or brands or you know some kind of clever PR. Like those types of things, you know, are are achievable. It's just about kind of putting in the work. Um, so that's what that's what I would kind of talk to a, a normal affiliate about. But like if they were if they were doing as you said, they're trying to get into the industry. But um, I feel like the ones making money right now are people who are like already established. Um, you know, let's say you're a hustler and you know you you have your your magazine, you have your pay site, you make your money. You already have your formula of cost of traffic versus like my revenue. Um, and now you're just looking for a passive revenue stream. Okay, light up hustler live. You know, let us ho host your white label. Uh, send traffic to it and whatever money you make uh, will, or whatever money it generates will pay you a rev share. And so that's easy because they don't have this like, you know, uh, they don't have to cost benefit analysis. This is stuff where they already have their business, they're established and they just want to make an, an extra passive revenue stream. So that's easy. Um, you have networks, you know, people like uh, Crack Media or Exoplayic or whatever it is. Those guys actually, you know, offer a service you know in optimizing the traffic or optimizing the buyer and the seller and getting them closer together or whatever it is um, or or the the last ones making money is that I see is like you know the direct talent and so you know that that might be studios um, if again they have a business model for it uh, or it just might be the models directly and so those are usually the people that we're talking to the networks the established players or the talent uh, it's usually not just you know a Joe Schmo that comes up and says, "Hey, I'm looking to get make money off of the adult industry, um, and I'm trying to figure out where." You know. Okay, the two things you touched on that I want to kind of explore a little bit here. Um, first one uh, is Google, right, and about SEO and search engine traffic. And I I was recently kind of doing a little bit of a analysis about where Google's sending all their traffic. It feels to me like. Um, a, you know, it's just a working theory, but it feels to me like when you put in for any adult term on Google, they're pushing the vast majority of their traffic to just a couple of sites, right? It's going to Pornhub, it's going to X videos, it's going to X hamster, right? There's just a few of these sites that seem to be getting all of this traffic from Google. Um, for the guy who's kind of doing the blog, um, he, he, do they have any chance to compete with that? Because if you're looking at like, uh, you know, domain rank or or any of these these concepts, it's going to be really hard for them to build up a blog to get any kind of uh, of, of domain rank or any kind of page rank, right? Uh, that's going to get them the attention on Google. How how is that possible for somebody like that? What would be the best way to go about it? Do you just have to keep pushing out the the the, the content for years, or is there is there like a smarter way to do it that may get you results in say six months? I, I think six months is like a pretty um you know, safe bet, um, uh, you know, you're not gonna on, you know, even in six months, you're not gonna rank on the first page for, you know, live girls on webcam. You're not gonna rank for, you know, sex videos. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that might be a really good, um, you know, target, but that's how all of those sites that you just mentioned built their businesses. 
they already figured it out. You know what I mean? So you're not going to get much off of off of targeting those keywords. What you would uh, get is uh, is is doing something a little bit more long tailed. So let's say you're you're really into foot fetish, and then suddenly you start you know blogging about foot fetish, about the different you know uh, uh, I don't know curvatures on the foot, and like you know the the what a sole could look like, you know, if it's, you know, uh, uh, oiled up and, uh, you know, how, the correct way to lick toe, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, you could get, you know, really into it and you can post articles, you could post content, you could get good links from models that do this type of thing from their socials, from other, you know, foot fetish related websites. So there's a way to get into it. Again, you just got to kind of put the work in. So I don't think that, um, you know, it means that a webmaster, uh, is completely locked out from from getting into that that playground. Um, it just means you got to do got to do the work. And and with respect to working with models, that's the other issue I noted here. I wanted to ask you about. Um, it's one thing like if somebody who's established in the industry approaches a model and says, "Hey, you know, want to do a collaboration." Uh, for people who are less known, I, you got to figure models are very um, wary of like just any random dude, you know, showing up or or person knocking on the door and saying, "Hey, I want to work with you." Um, is there a right way to go about this? If somebody, if somebody was like, you know what, I think I could make money kind of um, working with this model and putting content up about her and, and maybe doing reviews or, or, or whatnot, um, what's the right way do you think for that person to approach that so they don't just come across like some you know random random uh, creep? Well, I mean, either way, it's going to be a random person, right? So you got to figure out a way to do it. Um, you know, if it were me. Um, I would, I mean, first you got to know that there are 50 or so models out there that you're never going to get in contact with. And even if you are, like they have offers coming their ways all the time. So, you know, if you're shooting for, you know, the, the girls with, with 10 million Twitter followers, it's like, all right, maybe start smaller. Um, and let me tell you, there are enough of them out there. You know, there are plenty of cam girls, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cam girls, thousands probably that are online live right now that would be very interested in having somebody who can help them um, or help them, you know, get exposure and, and make money or whatever. Uh, the point is, is that you have to like kind of talk to the porn, right? Like what, what, how are people watching porn? How are they getting to better porn? And, uh, and then you can figure out ways to, to help, you know, what if like, you know, best example that, that I know of is, um, you know, Vicky Vett. Uh, she's, you know, super smart. Um, you know, she's an adult star, so she kind of does her own thing anyway. And then she realized that, like, you know, she had to build her own website. She had to add affiliate links. She had to, you know, set up white labels and whatever it is. And it's like, well, not all models wanted to do that. And so, you know, a bunch of her friends were like, hey, can you just do it for me? And she was just like, okay, you know, I'll do that. And, you know, she's got this, this whole business now where she uh, really just helps models. And it comes from a place where she's just trying to help, right? You know, they end up making money off of it, but it's like it's it's really with the goal of, of helping other adult stars in the in the industry. And I feel like that's kind of something where, you know, it comes from this pure place. You're just trying to add value. And if ever they didn't add value, they would probably happily shut down their business, you know. And so, uh, it you know, she, again, I think had a, an easy path in because she's already an adult star. But that doesn't mean that other people couldn't do the same thing. Uh, couldn't uh, you know develop a tool that can help models uh, help process their payments better? There are so many models that are international that get paid from U.S. companies. That you know navigating that whole minefield is is some kind of sometimes a pain. So you know 
maybe just processing those payments would be uh, helpful. Uh, maybe you know adding content to 10 different social media platforms is annoying, so maybe you can help them with that. You know, those are the types of things where I feel like um, that would be the easiest way to kind of get started uh, just by trying to help people. Yeah, and, and the content issue in the old days of affiliate programs when people were largely pushing videos. So the idea was use pictures to get somebody to a pay site. They want to see the videos. you got to pay to get in. So affiliate programs would provide webmasters or affiliates with all this content. Pictures usually are very short video clips to use as teasers to, uh, to help them sell. Um, with with a live cam network, I would think that's pretty problematic, right? Because you can't just hand out content on all your models for your affiliates to use. So what can your program provide affiliates as tools to use when they're promoting uh, like Flirt for Free or, or your products? And uh, or do they have to arrange these types of relationships that we're talking about with models to really get any kind of content that they can use? Um, I, I, I guess people probably, you know, have direct communication with models as well, but that's not typical. Um, I feel like the typical thing is to use the tools in our affiliate program, which, you know, if, if you're just, you have a website and you want to passively just put something on there, we have great live video ads, you know, XML feeds with live images, you know, things like that, that could be just really, you know, cool and interactive or whatever. Um, but I feel like, we, we add so many banners and, you know, interesting ad tools to our affiliate program often, you know, weekly, if not monthly. Um, and, uh, and we have this benefit of, you know, a really close cooperation between our affiliate team and our media buying team. And the media buying team is constantly, constantly testing ads. So, you know, they'll take a, a static image ad and, and make the same thing, but it'll be a GIF ad. You know, run it. You know, nine times out of ten, the the GIF ad is gonna is gonna get a higher click through rate, and boom. You you know, as those kind of start to win in those tests, we add them to the affiliate program, and the affiliates already get this. You know, the the banners or the creatives that are going to get the best engagement anyway. Um, so that's probably where I would go first. Um, but I would say beyond that, uh, we have other tools that I think are really cool as well. Um, so for example, like our APIs, you know, that's a little bit more webmaster driven, but you know, if you have a membership site, if you have a, um, you know, uh, an email list, if you have some kind of way for customers to, um, uh, for you to be able to communicate with your customers, um, you know, you can hook into one of our APIs and, you know, at the same time that they click on a banner on your site or at the same time that they register, you can offer them like 120 free credits if you also want your live cams account. You know, on the back end, boom, your account gets created. Um, we send them a confirmation email to make sure that you know they actually want the account. If they click on that and they're you know in, we'll we'll start them into our funnel of of trying to convert them from a free user to a paid, etc. Um, and so, really relying on those tools um, are are the ways that I've seen a lot of affiliates grow in the last several years. Um, and it's become pretty standard in our industry, you know, that one click so that they don't have to insert their credit card information, things like that. Um, so as far as, I don't know if I answered your questions, but as far as tools goes, the, those are the ones that are, I think, the best uh, to use. Yeah, absolutely does. Um, and now these are all, I'm, I'm, I've been talking about affiliates who maybe are trying to get started who don't have a lot built. But let's say you're an affiliate and you got some resources. Maybe not a destination site like Hustler, but you got a lot of money to spend, right? You know, you've actually can invest some money into this business. Um, where do you think 
it, it would be best for them to invest that money. Do you think there's an opportunity for people to buy traffic, just flat out buy it, flip it to flirt for free and convert enough to where they're making a profit? Does that work? Um, or should they invest that maybe into building their own destination site first and then promote flirt for free that way from their own site once they've built it up? Uh, what do you think is the best way for somebody with some money to, to go about this? Yeah, if they could um, spend the time and, and effort into building their own entity, their own property, their own website, um, I would highly recommend that. Because, um, you know, it goes back to that same question about like, what's what are you offering? What What's different about what you can do? How can you make that interaction between the model and the customer better? Um, and so buying traffic right now is very hard. You know, we do it, you know, it, but we do it with big budgets and, and analysts and we we're trying to be smart about it. We're not even the best, you know, there's, there's the mind geeks and the crack revenues and, you know, the other people, ExoClick even has their own CPA team where, you know, it's, it's, you know, I would describe those as bloody waters. It's, you know, sharks eating sharks, you know what I mean? It's, it's trying to, you know, get the right bid on the right spot and hope that that eventually converts and backs out for you. Um, and if you do it at a big enough scale, you can you can afford to only make a few percentage points. Um, but if you're a, a small affiliate, you know, and you're trying to make a few percentage points, it ends up not paying your bills, and you know it's too difficult. And so um, I would not just recommend I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend just starting uh, as buying traffic. Uh, but if you do that, um, I would recommend talking to your CPA network. Um, you know, like we we launched our uh, Hack Lab CPA. Uh, that affiliate program last year, um, it's meant to be um, just kind of a standalone uh, affiliate program, uh, all CPA payouts. You know, if you wanted to send traffic that registers or confirms or, you know, adds a credit card or, or you know, actually spends money, we have payout types for each one. Um, and we can, we can really support anything. You know, if you wanted to only send us traffic in Zimbabwe on, you know, uh, a mobile device and it was only, you know, spending money on 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 guys um you know we'll have a payout for that uh, and so you know us being you know allowing affiliates to see that kind of clear expectation of what money they can make allows them to go out and be creative um, but with the hack lab team the cool thing is that like we're also battle testing our landing pages um, so we just launched one called my strip club um, which is like an iteration off of like one of our tests uh, we were testing like 10 different landing pages uh, you know, like a, a pre-lander, uh, which will get, you know, a million eyeballs and of those eyeballs, you know, only, you know, let's say 10,000 of them will make it to the end of that funnel. Uh, but the ones that make it at the end of that funnel are the really engaged ones. You send those people to like, let's say a reg page, so then they register and then, you know, they go through that whole funnel. And so the hack lab team, you know, watches every step and tries to tweak it and whatever. And one of the clear winners that we had last year was our strip club lander. Uh, where it's like our at-home strip club, um, kind of, you know, play on that. Um, it looked really nice. It's sexy. It kind of, you know, is very aligned with the end product because that's essentially what webcams is. It's kind of like an, you know, at-home strip club. Um, and so because that did so well, we decided to kind of lean into it. And so we launched um, uh, late last year uh, My Strip Club, um, and it has a bunch of, you know, different landing pages that you can play with, um, and you know, pre-landers and, and landing pages. Um, and so I feel like you need somebody to do that work. If you're not gonna, if you don't have analysts, if you're not watching, you know, the users who use the page and where they fall off, then you're losing money. And so you won't, you won't then have the the marketing dollars to compete with the people who are doing that, um, unless you're promoting something of your own 
um, in which case, you know, the, the whole formula is different. But if you're just an affiliate and you're trying to promote us, for example, uh, you have to use uh, one of those uh, CPA programs so that, that like actually know what they're doing that are actually help, uh, they can help, you know, optimize the, the flow for the customer, um, etc. If you had money and you also wanted to, you know, kind of build up your own product, um, I would give away something for free. That's always uh, a good way to, to engage a customer. Uh, obviously, we've always had our like you know 120 free credits or like 12 dollars in free credits um, that that kind of lures customers in, and then you know obviously some people are going to take advantage of that and then never spend money. But it's all about numbers, you know. Can we do it enough where it's still profitable? Uh, lucky enough for us right now, we you know we have the the visibility to do that. Um, but you know not everybody does in the beginning, so you know I, I would learn from the affiliate networks and and try to do that well. Um, but again, if you built your own thing, that's different. Imagine you have like, you know, free, freevideos.com, I don't know, whatever you want. Um, and somehow it's better or different than, you know, what you would get on X videos or whatever it is. Um, that I would have like a registration wall. I would make sure that I start collecting users' content, co contact information, like their emails, double opt-in. Then you can kind of blast them with other things. Um, but like make sure that, that there's a good uh, exchange of value, you know, like they see your ad and they see, you know, that they're going to get free videos, you know, daily, you know, beam to their, to their cell phone and that's what they really wanted. So, okay, that's what they clicked on. They get that with your website. Um, every day they get their, their new video and they really love it. So now they're feeling like, you know, they're getting something valuable from you. And then at that point you could say, okay, also subscribe to our premium where we charge you $5 a video but you get XYZ benefits, you know, that's like a really kind of uh, uh, easy business model that I think would, would work in these kind of, uh, in these times, you know, compared to other offers. Um, but again, you got to play with it. You got to optimize, you got to analyze, you know, those things. Yeah. And I, I always put a little disclaimer here because I don't want people to think I'm just trying to push our own product because we do have an email marketing product with why not mail, but um, email list, I've, I, and again, not just trying to, to push our, our thing, but email lists, I think, are incredibly important, right? Because if if you think about the ability to reach out to a customer or a potential customer multiple times to get a message across multiple times, there's only a few ways to do it. Um, you can potentially do it through social media. Of course, you can do it through um through getting people to uh, come to your site on a day-to-day basis if you can do that. That's really hard to do, right? Change people's... um. Uh, um uh, behaviors online, uh, and then email is another way where you might be able to get a message across repeatedly. Um, what's what's your thoughts on just email in general? How important is it to flirt for free? How important do you think it is to affiliates? Is that is that a do you think that's an, a very important tool, or do you think it's kind of uh, you know past its prime? Uh, that's a good question. I think email is evolving. Uh, I think that that you definitely need to have an email list, right? If you're going to do the, the business model that I described, you definitely need to have it. Uh, if you don't have it, you're, you're, you, you, ha you have to be losing money because you're not, you're not staying top of mind for your customers. You're not getting you know, at the front of their inbox. You're not giving them new content. You know, they're going to forget about you. They don't care. So, but email is, is just, if you kind of abstract it one layer, it's just a way of communicating with your customers that's within a channel that you control. Um, and so if, if you're like a newbie affiliate, you're younger, you're creative, whatever, I would just kind of think about in what ways am I able to control the communication between my product and my customer. And so, you know, I, I'm not telling people to do this, but it's like if you run a, 
a Discord server. Okay, that's you know, and and you know, it's it's nothing but models sharing you know funny pictures of themselves while they're on webcam. I don't know, but you know, I'm just thinking some some specific. Um, and you know, that is you know, people are signing up to that Discord because they really like that content or whatever. You know, you could then pop your offers into there um, just as you would do with email. So, um, you know, again, I'm not saying to, to do the Discord route, but I'm just saying, like, you know, as a, as a marketer, as, a, as an affiliate marketer, um, you know, make sure that you have ways that you can communicate with your customers that isn't completely controlled. Because if you're doing it only through, let's say, Instagram, you're going to get shut down one day. If you're only doing it through Facebook, eventually they're going to shut you. Twitter, same thing. And so, you know, if the, the more that you can control, the better. And that's all I would say about that. Yeah, and since you uh, since you mentioned Twitter, um, obviously, kind of throw a tough question at you here. Um, there's been a lot of buzz. Models have been very worried about Twitter, right, uh, lately because there's been a, a reports of model accounts getting shut down, and, and often models aren't really sure why. Then on the business side, we had um, a couple of well-known companies, right, um, you know, in Clips for Sale and uh, Model Centro. Um, uh, 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 announced that, hey, our account suddenly got shut down and we don't know why and we're trying to figure it out. Twitter, of course, doesn't really work with you <laughs> when they do this. You can reach out to them and say, hey, what's going on? They don't really provide a lot of information. Um, it's very frustrating. I've seen people in the mainstream have this exact same thing happen to them as well. Um, you know, a, a software provider who suddenly, who I know suddenly lost their Twitter account without explanation and spent months lobbying Twitter to find out what's going on, never got a response back. Um, but with the adult industry, it's especially, um, I guess, concerning because there's so much talk about Section 230 lately, right? And what changes might be coming down the road with respect to those protections, which anyone listening who doesn't know what that is, basically allows platforms to uh, to escape liability if one of their users, I'm, very, I'm just simplifying it, one of the users posts something, you know, that's that's illegal or, 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 or causes problems. Um, the, the platform doesn't get held responsible. So if you post a picture to Google, Google's not responsible for that for that picture you are that you posted it. Um, as you're seeing this with the social media companies, uh, do you think that is this a real cause for concern? Do you think do you think the the business models are are going to be challenged in adult? And we're going to have to go through another period of drastic changes as a result of Section 230, or do you think now nah, it's maybe you know people are making too much of it? No, I think it's it's definitely a big deal. That's that's uh, I feel like Section two thirty is what drove the adult industry. You know what I mean? Like if you are you know Larry Flint and you are have been you know fighting obscenity cases your whole career, uh, now you're putting stuff on the internet. You know you could be held accountable for all that stuff, if not for Section two thirty. And so I feel like that stuff's important. But you know I think that that's you know it's just my own conspiracy theory. But I feel like that's what's driving a lot of the censorship on social media right now. I think that, you know, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey are hearing that, you know, there might be modifications to Section 230 and now they might be liable when, you know, there's a, a an underage person, you know, tweeting a photo of themselves, you know, naked. You know, that's that could be, you know, you going to jail, Jack Dorsey. And so, you know, they're trying to really over-regulate their platforms, um, which obviously, you know, causes friction the other way. Um, so they're they're kind of trying to do it in, in the right way to prepare for potential liabilities. I was actually excited about Parler because, you know, it became this kind of like, all right, it's the, the Republican social media app and they're going to all talk about Trump and stuff. But like on another level, I was spinning up my team, getting ready to spam them with adult content because it's like, 
well, they, it's free speech, right? Yeah, it's free speech. This is who you are, right? I was like, I don't think you know what you're asking for here. But, um, but it, it, you know, that I think, and, and what's been happening with, you know, the, the recent GameStop stuff, it's like, I feel like that's pushing consumers to make a decision about where they want to, um, where they want to spend their time. Um, you know, there's so much that you can do on Twitter um, you know, as far as like getting real-time news and information and, and yada yada, um, it's such a powerful platform. Um, but at the same time, they could just, you know, ice somebody that you're, you're listening to. You know, what if you're, you know, a really big fan of, uh, uh, what's his name, Chamath, the, the, the guy in California, billionaire that, you know, controversial on Twitter. But, um, you know, he talks a lot of shit on Twitter, uh, but that gets a lot of attention. A lot of people like him. Um, you know, maybe he's a little too politically tied uh, to get to get uh, you know banned. Um, but you know, what if that happens? And if that happens, well, you're going to be pushed to try to find another way to get you know in touch with him or, or hear him talk. And it might be a podcast. It might be you know more decentralized social media, something more secure like like Signal or Telegram or whatever it is. It's like all those things are growing right now because there is a grassroots effort to um, to to communicate more. And how does that impact the adult industry? I feel like the adult industry is going to navigate towards them. You know, you're going to have more, you know, I don't know if, it, if it's possible on Telegram, but like, you know, a Telegram for, you know, uh, adult pictures. Because when you post them on Twitter, um, you know, there are very strict guidelines that are not necessarily clear. Um, and I think Jack Dorsey knows that. Um, you know, I heard him on a podcast where he was kind of saying that, you know, he's trying to make it, you know, a free, a free speech platform, but, you know, you run up against regulations and potential liabilities. And so for that reason, you have to do what they're doing. Um, but the point is, is that like, you know, you post adult content on Twitter and you could be shadow banned. If you show a nipple or you show insertion, like, okay, you could be shadow banned. You'd be banned outright, but you can also just be shadow banned, which means if most of your traffic is coming from Twitter, um, which I'm not saying a lot of people are, but, you know, let's say that's the case. Um, that potentially could shut off your whole uh, income, and it's the same way with Google, right? How many how many webmasters out there built up their website, the websites, and they're making a lot of money only to you know get uh, uh, delisted by Google or whatever um, because of a, you know some kind of update or whatever they were doing too many black hat techniques or whatever it is, but then the next day suddenly you're not getting any organic traffic. And then it's like, well, that's my whole business, you know? And so you have to rely on these platforms that, you know, have to regulate their platforms. Um, so people have to make that decision about like, where do they want to post their, their content? Where do they want to spend their time, et cetera. And so, you know, a lot of platforms are, are coming up and it's on people like affiliates and uh, content producers to stay in touch with that and find more opportunities and, and uh, find the channels that they can communicate with customers. But it's not going to be yeah. Twitter, you know? Yeah, and I, you know, I, you said conspiracy theory, but I think you hit it right on the nose, like in terms of what's going on with, with, with the social media networks. I think they are, you know, that's just the way the world works. In my experience, I've seen this happen again and again. Connected people will get a heads up about what's coming down, <laughs> you know, what's coming up, and they'll have an opportunity to sort of respond. And from what I've seen going on on Facebook, even, um, and, and Twitter, it just smells like, these guys have a heads up and they're they're adjusting like in preparation for like what's going to come down. What's going to come down, I don't know, like how drastic it is or if it you know it means you can't show nipples on Twitter anymore or if it's not, you know, it's it's nowhere near that drastic but just, you know, a little bit stricter moderation. 
I don't know, but it does feel like there's absolutely something coming up. Um, I would say now this- that it is that drastic. We've posted content on Twitter that we think is safe for work, you know what I mean? But it has like, you know, a nipple or, you know, whatever. You can see some, you know, of the whatever. Uh, and, and we'll get shadow banned for a couple of days. Suddenly our, all of our content gets really low engagement. Suddenly we're not getting as many likes, you know what I mean? That's, it's, uh, it happens often. Yeah, and I and I, I think you can make a case that even Google does this to a certain degree, but um, but uh, regardless, this is actually you touched on something I've been trying to champion for a long time in this business, um, and that's that I know we're all you know in competition, um, and and sometimes that doesn't lead to a lot of trust. But if you put your business on a mainstream service, Amazon is a good example of what happened with. Really hard for me to say parlor. I know everyone's that's probably its name. I want to say parlay because it's like the French. Every time I say parlor, I feel like there's going to be a French person somewhere going, "This Americans don't know how to pronounce it." So parlor. If you look at what happened with parlor, they're on Amazon Web Services, and if I don't know if you played around with that platform very much, but I've always referred to it as a roach motel. Right? It's like you develop for Amazon Web Services. It's easy to get onto it, and it's all look at all these great things. But once your service is there, if you need to leave, it's not so easy. Right, you built a service that's custom for that platform. Um, it's not so easy to to leave. Um, I have been trying to um, champion the cause of people working with other adult companies as exclusively as possible. Um, you know, so hosting is a is a perfect example of that. Um, so you have so when you have if you have people working in this business that they're going to be investing in that destination site, they're going to be building a new a, a new business. How smart is it to work? Like Amazon doesn't disallow adult. Like, so there's nothing in the terms that specifically say you can't use Amazon and you have the benefits of, you know, their, their cloud platform and all the tools that they have. Uh, same with Microsoft Azure and other cloud platform. Then we have uh, um, companies like Mojo Host, which we all know Brad and he's there and he's there for us, right? Um, you know, he may not have all the tools of, of an Amazon, right? Um, but he, we know he's adult. We know that he's friendly. How important is it for people to use, do you think, um, hosting services that are like industry friendly? Or do you think that, you know, maybe there's not... I'm, I'm overthinking it. It's not that big of a deal. And as long as you follow the, the rules, you'll be okay on like an Amazon platform. Yeah. Uh, I'm not like an expert as far as hosting goes, but um, I would say generally or like philosophically speaking, I would try to keep it in the family as much as possible. I think most people breaking into the industry eventually realize that they have to work with somebody who is um, compassionate towards uh, adult industry, you know, professionals. Um, you know, I was talking to a friend this morning who, who launched an app uh, that's kind of similar to, to OnlyFans. Um, but they started working with um, Adyen, which is like this uh, Dutch payment service company. I think they work with like, a lot of you know, Ubers and stuff like that. Um, and he said that, you know, the payment process was so easy and it was really cool and it was mainstream or whatever. Um, but his platform is not supposed to be for adult, although it can, it can be seen that way. Um, and, uh, and he was like, yeah, they ended up rejecting us. And so he had to like switch to, I think he said like Securian pay or whatever. Um, I forget the guy's name. I think it's maybe Lucas or something. But anyway, they, um, that, that's an adult industry, you know, payment service provider. And it's like, and I think they're the ones that do OnlyFans as well. But um, the point is, is that like, you know, you want to use these kind of mainstream things, but eventually you're going to run up against something that, that, you know, is not conducive for adult or whatever it is. And so... Uh, I think, you know, that's why people like Brad are so successful is, you know, he's, 
he's a resource. You know, you need to talk to him. You have a problem. He's going to listen to you and he's going to help you figure it out. And so, you know, as, as much as possible, I would try to keep it in the family. You know, if you're going to use a, a, an email platform, you know, use you guys, use somebody else that's, you know, considered to the adult industry. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of my, my kind of philosophy on those things. Um, and I feel like eventually, you know, people will see that as well. Yeah, we had a um, another uh, a product that's that's newer for us called Why Not Market, which is a marketing automation uh, platform, and we had that experience with the payment processor that you're describing. And the funny thing is, is that it's nothing but marketing automation software. There's not a nipple, as far as the eye can see. There's not even a sexy girl to greet you at the front of this thing. Just pure marketing automation software, a la Salesforce and Pardo, you know, and and, and Pardot rather, American Pardot, uh, things like that. Um, and and we had payment processors take one look at the page and it says you know a marketing automation for the adult industry and I can't can't work with you that's it they they reject you so I see a lot of this happening. Um, can you recommend for for people in this business any any software tools any services that you know of um, that could be anything from I mean I don't know maybe you're just a big fan of a, of Adobe's uh, you know uh, cloud creative cloud services or or a search engine like um, like um, you know Moz or are there certain, any, any tools that you think you know what there, here's some cool tools people should check these out yeah I mean you know if you're if you're building your own platform if you're building your own program um, you know there are certain things you definitely need if you're just working on like landing page optimization, then you need something else too. But um, <clears throat> some of my the ones that I use are um, Ahrefs uh, for SEO. That's just you know super useful. Uh, whatever nominal fee that they charge per month is totally worth it. Um, you know, you you not only it, it's it's kind of like a more um, in depth SEM rush. Um, you know, but it'll tell you details about you know all the pages on your site. Uh, if you're getting 404s, where it's happening, where you're getting backlinks from, what the highest quality backlinks are, you know, they give you your own, you know, uh, domain ranking and, and, you know, each page's URL, URL ranking. Um, and so, you know, you can kind of track that progress monthly um, and they give you a lot of those tools. Um, there's another SEO tool that I don't use, but one of the, the SEO companies that we work with uses, I think it's called Screaming Frog. If I'm not mistaken, and that also gives you um, uh, like just a, a massive dump of all the backlinks that you have, and then it shows you you know how those backlinks are getting to your site. So imagine that you know you have you know a, a thousand links that are linking to a broken page. Uh, you could effectively see that there and fix it. So you know on your on on the the kind of system side, you would then say, all right, I see a bunch of people going to this page, but it's broken. So then 301 redirect it to uh, you know the homepage or something like that, and boom, that'll you know kind of it's it's just good kind of SEO hygiene, and uh, and it'll help your your SEO in general. Um, but so those those two for SEO, similar web, I, I love because um, you know it's just so easy. Um, you know you want to get an idea of like how much traffic somebody has uh, in a different cohort on mobile, uh, you know whatever. And on the media buying side, <clears throat> you know it's hard for us to evaluate new buys. You know so some some you know broker comes in and says, hey, I have X Y Z site. You know the the mobile pops. Um, you know we're we're selling it for this much money, and here's the volume in the month. Um, and then you use similar web, and you realize that all of their traffic is Indian traffic, and it's like, well, okay, that's going to be lower quality than what you would get in the U.S. because they spend more money in the U.S., so I would pay less. You know, you need to be able to like evaluate those things, and so uh, I would say that similar web is a good uh, tool for evaluating traffic. Um, and then the last thing that I would mention is um, Lucky Orange. 
Uh, not a lot of people know about it for whatever reason, but it's it's such a fantastic tool. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people know um, uh, what is that? Hotjar. Um, and so it's like you know you, you want to optimize your page. You want to see how people are using your website, whatever. So you throw on a, a Hotjar JavaScript, and then you can see the the heat maps. So you can see like where people are clicking, where they're dropping off, how far they're scrolling down the page, whatever. And that's I feel like you know the the you know Toyota version. And uh, Lucky Orange is really the Ferrari. You know, you log into Lucky Orange, you could, you know, go to live people on your site. You could watch them using your website. You could see them actually, you know, move their mouse or or tap on on the screen. Um, you know, they even have a tool for you to just on the spot, you know, message them and, and try to you know offer them help, um, which is super creepy. Um, right. I, I was just about to say. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, just the fact that you can watch it, it's like. You know, it's one thing to, to look at stats. It's one thing to, to see, oh, a lot of people dropped off on, on you know, step three. Uh, but it's, it's much different to watch somebody use the page, scroll around on the page, you know, get to the bottom, and then, you know, accidentally, you know, click on some bubble that's supposed to be an accent on the page, but instead, like, they think it's a call to action. And, you know, your call to action is up, you know, a few you know pixels higher, um, but it doesn't look as much like a call to action. As you're seeing them use it, you're like, oh, of course, you know. Uh, so, so we yeah. use Lucky Orange a lot. That's interesting. That's that sounds really cool. I hadn't heard of that tool, but that's actually something I definitely would want to check out. Um, so, and they're super uh, cheap. Yeah? yeah, yeah. Looking ahead, one final question for you. Um, I just wanted to to kind of for you to have a chance to take out the crystal ball. Think about uh, 2021. We're at the beginning, obviously. About you know, we got one month down. And it's an interesting times with COVID. Um, you know, obviously nobody knowing. Hey, are we going to be coming out of this in like you know um, late spring, early summer, or is this going to drag on into the end of the year? So no, there's a lot of uncertainty about how this is going to unfold. Um, as you look at 2021, um, if you were placing bets, how do you think things are going to play out as the year goes on for uh, for the adult industry specifically? So I feel like it starts with COVID because, you know, it's, that's just dictating all of our lives right now. Um, and I, in the beginning, I was very optimistic. I was like, okay, in March, there's no way this is going to last more than a couple months. This is, what, are they going to lock us in our houses for a year, you know? Um, yeah, that's so funny. Um, but again, I'm optimistic. Um, I, 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 I have no reason to be optimistic because I've been wrong so much, but um, I feel like, you know, we're rolling out vaccines, we're doing it as fast as we can, you know, we're in the cold season right now. So come May, June, it's going to get warmer. I feel like it's going to kind of burn out the, the COVID in a sense where, you know, the, the uh, vulnerable people will be vaccinated, etc. And so I'm hopeful that, you know, by the time like September, November, maybe rolls around, um, we might do a trade show, maybe, or maybe in 2022. Um, and if we can do that, I feel like that would be huge. That'd be a step crazy forward. I don't know how it would happen considering that I've not, you know, interacted with more than, you know, two people at a time in almost a year. Um, but, uh, but if we, if we can do that, that'd be better. That'd be amazing. Um, the industry needs to connect again. Uh, there are too many people out there that I haven't seen in too long. I usually, you know, have my, you know, shoot the shit with them for, for however long, you know, a few times a year. And that's when you come up with business ideas or something interesting or, or, or whatever. And, and I feel like we need that kind of social connection and whatever. 
Um, but for the adult industry specifically, I can't tell you for this year if anything is going to evolve, if some new crazy thing is going to happen. Um, but I do think that over time, um, you know, as I was kind of mentioning, I, I feel like, you know, there needs to be another platform. There needs to be more ways for models to communicate with customers. I feel like there's going to be, you know, a ban hammer on OnlyFans from Instagram. And it's like, that was a big industry, you know, models, you know, spamming their OnlyFans links on, on Instagram. And so if models get pushed away from that, there needs to be some way for us to optimize that whole experience between customer and, and model. Um, I think cam sites are a great way to do it. I think that, you know, we've been doing a lot to kind of really, um, you know, up, upgrade our product. Um, you know, we've run all of these promotions. We were really hopeful that we were going to be able to do Flirt Summit this last year, but, um, and we moved it back to May and then we realized that that's not going to happen either. And so we ended up just um, bonusing a lot of mon uh, models a lot of money. Um, which they were excited about in, in any case is a good constellation um, but we try to kind of like keep that that community and everything um, you know we run a lot of contests we run a lot of promotions we try to keep people engaged um, but either way i don't think that any of the adult industry um, you know big players are going to um, cooperate and you know let's say try to make the next adult twitter you know they're not going to do that and so i feel like there is opportunity for some non-adult person to come in and and disrupt the way that kind of OnlyFans did, you know, they they came, they came in and, and did this kind of brand new thing that seemed obvious, but you know, if you're in the adult industry, you're like, well, where how are you even making money? Considering you know processing and and you know the amount that you're paying out to models, it's like if there's not enough meat on that for it to even be a business. And then you know, next thing you know, they're making enough money that you know they can make pennies on margin, and and, and it's good, you know. Uh, so I feel like there is opportunity for. Uh, a non-adult player to kind of enter the adult industry and and service them in a way where uh, it improves the overall um, you know exchange between model and customer. Um, so I think that that'll probably happen in the next few years. Um, you know, a lot of people are trying to do that. Uh, you know, the fan centros and, and people who are you know maybe not the the porn hubs of the world, but you know they're they're doing stuff. Yeah, I mean, porn hubs doing their stuff, but. Um, I think that there's, there, there needs to be more uh, connection between uh, the models and the consumers, and it needs to be in like a really kind of open way, kind of like it is on Twitter, but less regulated. And so I think maybe something will happen. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's the adult industry taking over Parlor if it ever comes back. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I hear you about the uh, interaction. We did um, two uh, virtual events in 2020, um, and they were very successful. We had a lot of people show up. It was great. We had a, a good time. Um, there were a lot of people that really loved the virtual event and, and wanted us to keep doing virtual events, which we will even after COVID because we see the value in them. But, man, there's also something about those live events, like, you know, the ability to sit down with someone like you're saying and talk and share some time and, and bond and um, form relationships. It's 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 hard to beat when you're when you're face to face like that. Um, yeah, I really just want to give you a big hug after this. Like, hey, we did it. You know? That's right. That's right. I can't. <laughs> can't do it. Can't buy you a beer to say thanks. You know, it's, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's freaking coming. I don't know. We're, we're really, you know, and I'm. 
I miss it, and my business partner Jay is um, basically climbing the walls because he's like very, very social, and uh, that inability to get out and see people in person, like you said, give them a hug, say hi, um, share this we, this community we have together. It's just it's very it's very frustrating. So I think we're all looking forward to that day when we can feel safe to to kind of travel. Hopefully next, you know, well, maybe not probably not next time, but. Hopefully sometime this year we'll have a chance to sit down and have a beer in, uh, in person and, and talk about this, this whole crazy, crazy experience. Um, Jeff, I just want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I uh, have some amazing insights, great wisdom. Um, love your company. Love the work you guys are doing. So uh, thank you for coming on and, uh, and sharing your experience with everybody. Thank you for having me. I love what you guys are doing. Like, you know, I feel like there needs to be more communication overall just like a b2b in the industry between models and webmasters and stuff like that so i think you guys are doing a good service for the industry right now thank you man i really appreciate it all right thanks for having me man yeah man take care